luxury. My first introduction to the world of luxury was on my visit to Switzerland in 1997. I was covering Basel World that year. I'm not sure if you know what Basel World is. It is an exhibition that houses more than 2000 watch brands under one roof. I was shocked to find myself surrounded by watch brands like Rolex, Bulgari, Harry Winston, Tagore, Omega, Longines. <laughs> Back then, I didn't know how to pronounce the brand names, leave alone the technicalities of watchmaking. On my return to India that year, I published a report on watches with the Economic Times from the Times of India Group. I was surprised to receive numerous queries from consumers and the trade industry. I didn't stop there. I got intrigued with the luxury watch industry. I went to discover the world of luxury, fashion, jewelry, cosmetics and accessories. Hi, my name is Anita Khatri and you're listening to Lux Insider. India's first luxury podcast dedicated to bringing you the latest trends, developments and stories from India's evolving luxury landscape. If you need a Rolex watch or a Louis Vuitton handbag, you can buy it online or you can even walk into their boutiques or stores or the family which is visiting from abroad can bring these items for you. You can also indulge during your various travels, leisure trip or official trips. Was this the same in 1980s or 90s? Certainly not. One of the first brands to open their own boutique in India was Mobla at Taj Mahal Palace, Mumbai. Mobla is a luxury accessory brand famous for its writing instruments. They stepped into the Indian market in 1994 after much convincing on the part of ex-cricketer Dilip Doshi, who was passionate about writing instruments. In that case, did luxury brands always steer clear of India as a market? Like avoiding investments in India? To answer this question, let's go back to the roots of Indian luxury. Indian royalty. The roots of luxury are in India and Indian royalty's indulgence in luxury? Think about this. 230 Maharajas of India owned 900 Rolls Royce cars between 1908 and 1938. The infatuation of the car brand with the Maharajas has another interesting revenge story. It's believed that King Jaising of Alwar was insulted by Royals Royce salesman at Mayfair showroom in London. After he returned, he booked a fleet of Royals Royce to be used to carry the city's waste. He stopped only after the car company extended an apology. The opulence extended to jewellery too. Maharaja Bhupendra Singh of Pachala loved his jewels. He inherited the Debeer's diamond, an enormous light yellow diamond from South Africa weighing 234.5 carats. This diamond was sent to Kathir in 1926, packed in a special delivery trunk full of precious stones and jewellery. He wanted them to design a piece in Paris in style. 
thus came about Cartier's famous Patiala necklace, which still remains one of the grandest pieces of jewellery ever made. Have you heard about diamonds being used as paperweight? <laughs> yes, you heard that right. Mir Usman Ali Khan, the last Nizam of Hyderabad, used the world's fifth largest diamond weighing 184.97 carats as his paperweight. Today, it costs 5 million pounds and is currently owned by the government of India. And when it came to Maharani's, Maharani Indra Devi from Kuch Bihar ordered 100 pairs of shoes. Yes, you heard it right, shoes. Some were even diamond studded from Italian shoemaker Salvador Ferragamo. Vacheron Constantin, a luxury Swiss watch brand. It's not a brand which is very commonly known, but it's a prestigious watch brand. This was commissioned then by Maharaja Bhupendra Singh of Patiala to create something unusual. The manufacturer created a perpetual calendar within a pocket watch in 1909, a piece truly exceptional and ahead of its time, combining all the complications together for the Maharaja. An alarm, moon phase, chronograph and a minute repeater. This is not too common even today. I'm sure you agree. So you see, for luxury brands, the Indian royalty were important customers. But in post-independent India, things took a different turn. The economic policies of the Indian government were characterized by planning, control and regulation in the first four decades since its independence from British colonization. The trade policy before the 1990s focused on import substitution. Restrictions on imports were imposed in various forms. To meet the objective of attaining of self-reliance, import licensing was imposed by the government to exercise control over importers. In those days, you couldn't imagine to import watches or even handbags. Further imports were canalized, which meant that certain commodities could be imported by only one agency. Your guess? It was generally a public sector company. With the opening of the economy in 1991, although some of the control measures had been relaxed, the ban on import of luxury product was lifted only after 1995 and only in a small way. It was only in the early 2000s when some relaxations allowed luxury brands to officially enter India and sell their products. Even then, Those that entered in the early 2000s operated out of five-star hotels as these were the main hubs of luxury retail since it provided the right environment. The concept of malls or stand-alone boutiques is a recent concept. Case in point, Louis Vuitton. Through Louis Vuitton, you can see the shifts and the growth of the luxury industry in India. The brand was synonymous among the maharajas and maharanis. continues to be sought after symbol of luxury i'm sure you agree in post independence india wealthy families traveled to dubai new york paris hong kong to avail these products when they weren't available in india in the post economic liberalization era louis vuitton tried to enter the indian market in 1999 but the prevailing fdi policies and the ban on import of leather goods proved a roadblock for the giant to set foot in the country 
Louis Vuitton finally entered India in 2003, setting up its boutique at Oberoi Hotel in New Delhi and at the Taj Mahal Palace Hotel in Mumbai 2004. In 2006, when the government issued a notice allowing foreign direct investment of up to 51% in single brand retail, Louis Vuitton acquired an Indian company with a distribution arrangement wherein the brand could sell its product through two stores in India. That laid the foundation for luxury brands in India. But that was then. Luxury in India ever since continued to evolve. With the increase in shopping malls and a new retail environment was born. This allowed brands to move beyond five-star hotels and thus increase their footfalls, accessibility. It just became accessible. You see, people could walk in and indulge or browse through the luxury boutiques in the malls, which was impossible in the five-star hotel environment. However, the well-aware Indian consumer required assurance from the brand about the availability of the right collection. The latest products, authenticity of the products, also needed the pricing to be on par with any global market point of sale. This was another slow process that took about a decade and luxury started booming only after 2015. This was until demonetization and introduction of GST slowed the growth rate of this industry in India. Despite the government's push for digitalization, brands were mostly shy of embracing digital platforms. The pandemic changed that and became a catalyst for the digital boom. The past two years have forced brands to evolve with the times. Brands also realized that digitalization has helped them to move closer to their customers and are able to listen to their needs. Today, Nearly all luxury brands are offering their products and services on digital platforms. With the coming of luxury shopping malls and with heightened digitalization, Louis Vuitton products are available at their stores or also online through various platforms. Heard about Bulgari jewelry being delivered to your doorstep? I am not sure whether you've heard. All you need to do is shop on their website. You may already know that you can also place an inquiry to your nearest Rolex authorized dealer and your favorite timepiece from Rolex would be delivered to your doorstep. From the roots of luxury tracing back to Indian royalty to the digital age of it in India, the luxury landscape is more than what beats the eye. The luxury industry in India has a rich history and even more exciting future. And that's exactly what we aim to unravel through this podcast. In every episode, I'll peel back a different layer of luxury in India. From the stories of the brands, their journey in India, to consumption patterns, to luxury in the social media age, and a lot more. We will have guests on board who will help us unpack this and a weekly update on the latest developments in the luxury space from me your host anita khatri make sure you subscribe to or follow this podcast wherever you're listening to it right now thank you for listening to this episode of lux insider i look forward to sharing more with you soon